when it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm not what you would call mentally tough. I, I don't I don't just navigate my way through it and continue to persevere. I fold up like a lawn chair on Labor Day. You give it a go. You give it a go. It lasts a few days, and then you're done with the go. In fairness exactly. to you, your schedule has still been all over the place. I give even it a go. You have gotten this. So there's a built-in excuse. I will say this. I hadn't had McDonald's in probably, I don't know, 15 years. Because I'm one of these annoying people that's you know always eating healthy. And you're I healthy. And fast food thing. Except for, enter three-year-old child now. And he has recently discovered the joy of a Happy Meal. And now ah. Happy Meal is also, I mean, the toys are so upgraded from when we were kids. And now yeah. there's other options. There's apple slices and everything else. And so I also have discovered the joy of stealing some of his joy. And <laughs> it's gone down a bad path, Garland. The amount of French fries and chicken nuggets. And I forgot how good it all is. Why would you ever have children if not to steal their joy? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the whole reason for me. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. That is Amber Wilson in for Chris Canty today. I'm Chris Carlin. We, of course, are on the ESPN app as well, Sirius XM Channel 80. We've had tremendous amounts of things to talk about today as we continue with a, a list that was put together by NFL execs, by coaches, by scouts, by players, and it was originally taken by uh, Jeremy Fowler, who went and talked to all of these different uh, groups of people and kind of issued 50 ballots to get the top 10 at each position across the league. And today, he released the first in this series, and it, of course, would start at quarterback. And so we have what is, according to this group of 50 Coaches, execs, scouts, and players, the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't know how 50 people who are paid to be involved with football can have the list the way it is currently, uh, just with some of the, well, just flat-out mistakes I see with that list. And quickly, here it is from top to bottom. Aaron Rodgers won, Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. There is no Derek Carr on that list. There is no Lamar Jackson on that list. There is no Kyler Murray on that list. Amber, for me, I start at the bottom of the list, and I see Dak Prescott as a top-10 quarterback, and it is just simply not so. It is It is not so. Dak Prescott, we have seen uh, recently in the playoffs what has happened, and there may be a bias involved there. You might want to say that. It's not it. When I look at Dak Prescott, I understand the really good numbers he has put up in his career when he has been healthy, but I also stand, understand that he's had a lot to work with in putting up those numbers, whereas somebody like Derek Carr hasn't quite had as much Lamar Jackson is a lot scarier to me. I I put, to start, I put Dak Prescott no higher than 12th on this list. 
If it went that far, I wouldn't have a problem with Dak being more like 11th or 12th on this list. I think that's probably more where he belongs. I think he's getting a little bit of a bump. He's getting the Cowboys bump, frankly. And there's some top of the headness, I think, going on where he's on your mind at all times and because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. And so because of that, I think he's getting votes. And he's normally getting votes in that 7 to 10 range. Nobody, apparently, there wasn't a single vote for him in the top five. I think most people think Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback. I don't think most people think Dak Dak Prescott is one of the very, very best quarterbacks in the league. Those seem like two different conversations. Yeah. I want you to be one of the very, very best in the entire league. If you're in a top 10 list, I want you to have had those moments on your resume. Even if you're in the back part of the top 10, I want you to have those moments on your resume that just stand out above and beyond anybody else. To me, that's Lamar Jackson's MVP status. He has that. Derek Carr doesn't have that to me. Kyler Murray doesn't have that to me. They were honorable mentions on this list, but Lamar Jackson, he has that to me. He has the more impressive resume than Dak Prescott. Maybe not the winning in the postseason any more than Dak, uh, but he does have the MVP attached to his name that Dak doesn't have. So I would be more comfortable with him on this list. I don't like the ninth spot either with Deshaun Watson. That's a weird one to me because we haven't seen him play football since 2020. So it's been so much time here since I've really seen him ball out. He balled out that season back in the 2020 season, uh, but it didn't make an appearance in the win-loss column. So there's that component as well. And then you know Russell Wilson and me. You told me throughout today's show that I'm down on him, that I don't like Russell Wilson. Well, you're not a fan. That's clear. It's not true. I'm a very big fan of what he did for Sierra for their anniversary. I don't know if you saw that. He he got the private fireworks. They're at Lake Como. It was their sixth wedding anniversary. He went all out. You and I have actually both separately been to Lake Como before. I never got fireworks when no. I was there. So I'm a fan of how Russell Wilson appears to treat his wife. I'm just not so much of a fan of what he did this past season. So when we're talking recency bias, now given, yes, finger injury, all of that, I think it might look different in Denver Broncos uniform. I'm not down on Wilson. I mean, I do think that he's a future Hall of Famer. I just think that he's coming off of a down season for him. So to have him at eighth on this list might be a little bit high. How about a couple of other things? Number one, Josh Allen is listed as the third best quarterback, and he is ahead of Tom Brady, and he is ahead of Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow's already been to a Super Bowl. Now, granted, Allen has a larger uh, resume, so to speak, just by virtue of having been in the league longer Mm -hmm. uh, than Burrow. Would you put Allen in front of those two quarterbacks right now? Well, and then, of course, all the time that Burrow missed uh, his first year in the league. So his resume is just so much longer. I don't have a problem with Josh Allen being ahead of Joe Burrow, even if Burrow has made a Super Bowl appearance. I have a big problem with him being ahead of Tom Brady. Because Mm -hmm. not only is Tom obviously the greatest quarterback ever, but he's still playing like it. That's the problem for me. I mean, it's not like Tom was Tom years ago, and now we're just he's in the mix for the top three quarterback in the league because of name recognition. He's still playing at that category. He had the most passing yards and most passing touchdowns in the entire NFL last season. I mean, his QBR rating was second only to the dude who won MVP in Aaron Rodgers. To me, Tom Brady is easily number two on this list, if not number one, if you wanted to supplant Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't do that because reigning MVP, fine, but I'd absolutely have Brady at number two on this list. So for me, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are too high. And if I'm picking a guy that I need to win a game with, today and though and with that i am putting the importance of a playoff game with it 
I am not putting Aaron Rodgers at the very top of my list. I'm just, I'm, I'm not. And again, we could call about, we could talk about it being recency bias. Well, yeah, this is the top list for 2022. If I had to win a playoff game tomorrow, I am taking Patrick Mahomes ahead of him. I am taking Brady ahead of him. I, I, for Pete's sake, I might take Russell Wilson ahead of him. And it's not saying that Rodgers isn't a great quarterback. Well, he's a phenomenal regular season quarterback. If I have to go find a way to beat the Detroit Lions tomorrow, give me Aaron Rodgers. We're great. If I need to go You're and win a playoff Rogers game tomorrow. Dirty. You could say You could say a good team, but in the regular season. Yes. If I need to go beat the Cleveland Browns tomorrow, okay. And it's the middle of October, sure. Give me Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is your guy. Yeah. In the postseason, Matt Stafford's too high on this list, too, by the way. I mean, I I get we're, like, coming off of a Super Bowl win, so recency bias is at play. Uh, Most interceptions in the league tied with Trevor Lawrence? Uh, No. Uh, We're giving him too much credit uh, for winning a Super Bowl on a very, very good team. And, And the guy that, it's funny, the guy that we haven't talked about is Justin Herbert being at number seven. Because I think we both agree that's exactly where he belongs, if not mm-hmm. a little bit higher. But, I mean, the fact that Stafford just won the Super Bowl and Burrow was just there, uh, that's the only reason those two are in front of Justin Herbert in my mind right now. I think that Justin Herbert, where he's going to go with his career and what he has shown us talent-wise, then, yeah, you could even make an argument that he should be higher than seven. I'm not going to do that yet uh, because the resume isn't there to back it up. It's just the talent. I'm pretty comfortable with him in that kind of six-seven spot for Justin Herbert outside of the top five. He's not top five yet. He's got to do more, and he's got to do it, by the way, this upcoming season because of all the improvements on that Charger squad. Hit us up on the CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Where are the major problems here? Does Dak belong in the top 10? If you have to win a game tomorrow, is Aaron Rodgers your guy? These are all questions that are on the table for you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson is in for Chris today. Up next... One other aspect of this list that we spent a second on but really have not examined more deeply. Do we really know whether or not Deshaun Watson is actually an elite quarterback? We'll discuss next. Hit up the calls as well at 888-SAY-ESPN. Canty and Carlin, Chris Carlin, and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. I haven't seen Deshaun Watson actually play football in a while. So is he truly on that elite level? It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Get renter's insurance to protect the things that make your place a home, including coverage of theft or damage. Visit Progressive.com. 
Amber Wilson is in for Chris Canty today. Chris Carlin with you. And, Amber, the one thing I really can't figure out with Deshaun Watson is whether or not he is an elite-level quarterback or somebody that threw up massive numbers on a bad football team, and maybe they were empty numbers. His best year was two years ago in 2020 when he threw for 4,800 yards. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the Houston Texans went 4-12. and 12. How am I supposed to evaluate a guy that threw up massive numbers but did it on a bad football team? Yeah, certainly airing it out. I guess it, the 33 touchdown passes that season, it's hard to believe that those are empty stats. The over 70% completion percentage that same season. But that was the last time that we saw Deshaun Watson play football. And... Listen, we know all the allegations. We know everything that's happened here with Deshaun Watson. Just ignoring that portion of this conversation, which is pretty impossible to ignore, Carlin, but just kind of looking at the football component of this moving forward, I always wonder how good is a football player going to be if he has to end up taking years off from his sport. I, I feel like that's not talked about enough when we do talk about these at one time 25 civil actions that were filed against him and a pending suspension from the NFL. And we're talking about every component of that Deshaun Watson story. The one that I rarely ever hear discussed is if the NFL was to actually be successful in a suspension here for an entire season, like they were seeking, then Deshaun Watson won't have played football in multiple years. And like you said, the last time we did see him play football, there is some empty stats potentially there. There is that 4-12 in record potentially there. It's not like he was a winning quarterback. He was a great quarterback. Uh, I don't know if he was a winning quarterback. He was a flashy quarterback. He was a fun-to-watch quarterback, but he was on a very bad team. What does that result in when you're not the winning quarterback? You're not producing in the win column, and then also you don't play football for multiple years I don't know what that looks like and that's why I was surprised that when we had these quarterback rankings that have been released now on the dot com that ESPN has Watson as a top 10 quarterback I don't know if he is I know he was the last time I saw him play Carlin but there's a potential here for a drop-off well who's really the only guy that we've ever seen it with that, that I can think of at least at the moment Michael Vick You know, Michael Vick went away for a couple of years. Was he the same player when he got back? No. He was still a very good player, but, you know, he was, prior to going to jail, I mean, he was a tremendous, tremendous player. He was still somebody that I would call very good and a big threat uh, in his first, second year back with Philadelphia. But I, I can't ever say... Um, now, he was a little bit older when he went away, too, mm-hmm. but um, he missed two full seasons, you know? Right. So how am I supposed to evaluate that? To me, I really do think that the, the Cleveland Browns, in doing what they did here, took a major, major risk, and they put a lot of eggs in that basket, and I don't expect them to come and, and be terrible. But is he going to be worth $240 million guaranteed? Is he the best player in NFL history? Because that's how he got paid. He got yeah. paid as the best that's a player tough sell. in that's NFL history. a very history. tough sell to me. And it's, it's a tough sell to me as well. Because, again, if we're just looking at the football component, what does that end up 
what kind of impact does that end up having on his game? And then, like you said, also, there is just a part of this conversation, like even if he had just gone straight from the Texans to the Browns and we're not talking about taking the year off or the impending potential suspension that could be coming, there still might be an adjustment there because he wasn't a winning quarterback, although – Again, in terms of statistics, Deshaun Watson was an excellent quarterback. So I don't know if it's going to really amount in the winning. That's, I guess, the the concern, right, is does it amount in the winning? Because they're certainly paying him for the winning. They're not paying him for the stats, and that's the reality of it. Now, he's only 26 years old. Uh, in the Vic scenario, obviously, he spent those years in prison, whereas Deshaun Watson has not. So I don't know what Deshaun Watson is doing in terms of training and and what's that really like. It honestly, Carlin, there's also a possibility here. It helps his career. I mean, in terms of the time off, it yeah. lengthens his career. and Maybe he actually comes back even better than, you know, rejuvenated better than ever. I don't know because I have nothing to compare it to for a quarterback of his age and his caliber taking this kind of time off and then making a return. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I'm Chris Carlin. She's Amber Wilson in for Chris Canty. Let's hit Brigham in Virginia on the phone lines, on the CC calling line. Brigham, what's up, buddy? You're on ESPN Radio. Ask how Lamar Jackson doesn't break this list. How men like uh, Justin Herbert and Deshaun Watson are put ahead of uh, a guy who carried an injury riddled team year whose stats admittedly weren't great no talent around him other than Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown downfield who had a riddled line that could barely cover for him and yet he's an MVP with a winning record he's a guy who took his team to the playoffs and we see Justin Herbert ahead of him based on what? That San Diego made some good moves in the offseason? You know, Justin Herbert Sorry, threw 73 touchdowns in his first two seasons. But to Brigham's point, that Ravens team was decimated. So, yes. of course, Lamar Jackson's numbers were down because the team was the most injured team in the NFL, to Brigham's point. So that's going to affect a quarterback's numbers. It is hard to argue with Justin Herbert's numbers, but he hasn't always had – I mean, he doesn't – obviously he doesn't have the resume overall if we pull it that Lamar has. Lamar's also had much more time. Yes, and, and I would put Lamar in the top ten over Dak Prescott. I absolutely would. And while they both have the same amount of uh, playoff wins, I also look at it from a standpoint of there's one guy out of those two that I would prefer to face, and it's not close. I would much rather have to deal with Dak Prescott than have to deal with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson can kill me on any one play, on any one play. I'm not convinced that Dak Prescott can do that consistently. It's Cantia Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, not to mention SiriusXM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. It is two-a-day time with training camp coming up on ESPN Radio. And in just moments... We turn to the Seattle Seahawks, where the, po- the post-Russell Wilson era will begin. But what is the beginning of the actual new era? Is it just without Russell, or is it with a new quarterback who can play? Eh. Not great. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days. An in-depth preview of every team in the National Football League. 
two teams every day as we storm towards training camp. NFL Two-A-Days continues on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days, the Seattle Seahawks. It was time. It was time for the Seahawks to go their own way and for Russell Wilson to do the same thing. What Seattle's getting in return, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, double ones, double twos. This is the foundation that the Seahawks will use going forward. The schedule's tough. Nobody travels more miles this year than Seattle. It's already tough to travel out of Seattle. They have to go, I think, to Germany to play Tampa Bay this season. There's the opportunity to be successful, and then there's what the Seattle Seahawks are facing this year. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80, not to mention ESPN Plus, Chris Carlin and Amber Wilson. Amber in for Chris Canty today. It is the second of our two-a-days as we approach training camp in the NFL. Earlier, we touched on the Denver Broncos and took you through their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And fittingly enough, we turn now to the Seattle Seahawks, the team with which the Broncos made that massive trade in order to get Russell Wilson to Denver in exchange for that package of picks and players. So let's go a little SWAT here. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. For the Seattle Seahawks this season in 2022, Amber Wilson strengths of the Seattle Seahawks you may only need eight seconds yeah there aren't many Chris Carlin (laughs) uh, but there are a couple DK Metcalf he would be of course a strength he's the most physically imposing receiver in the entire NFL by any metrics he's a top 20 receiver in the league it'd be a lot cooler if he got more targets I don't know if he's going to get more targets uh, with Drew Locke or Geno Smith at the helm there are times that in that offense, even with Russell Wilson, you wanted DK to be targeted far more than he was, averaging just 119 targets over the last three years. But he's a receiver that can get you almost 15 yards per perception. I mean, he is phenomenal when you pull his numbers. We know what DK looks like. He is a big strength on this team. If they, Assuming that they keep him, um, it's kind of weird what's happening right now in Seattle. Pete Carroll's still at the helm. That also surprises me since it seems like they're trending towards a rebuild here and Pete Carroll is something like 70 years old. But I'd say that's a strength because you're talking about a quarterback or a coach that not only has the uh, Super Bowl prowess, but you're talking about a coach that had led the Seahawks between 2012 and 2020. They didn't have a single losing season. So he's got the experience. He's got the championship caliber. And also in the past, he has been known to take rosters that seem like they have a lot of holes and find ways to plug those holes in Pete Carroll's system. Not given he had Russell Wilson when he was plugging those holes, but I'd say Pete Carroll is a strength. Sure. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. I mean, for Glass me, half full. yeah. For me, it's the receivers. It, it, Tyler Lockett as well. It's you mm-hmm. know Noah Fant is a really good tight end. But 
Uh, more so Metcalf just from this standpoint. I mean, you touched on it in there, but he's a strength to have him on the field because he's an incredible, incredible talent. But he's also a strength if you decide that you don't want to pay him long term because he's going to get a handsome amount of draft picks in return as well. So you're going to have a very good base with which to work as you continue to try to work toward a rebuild. So I would call that a strength. Weaknesses. So we started off nice. Yes. Seahawks fans. Weaknesses. We only have an hour and a half left in the show. <laughs> so I would uh, encourage you to give us the cliff notes on the weaknesses. I mean, obviously the biggest glaring weakness is that they didn't draft a quarterback. They didn't trade for Baker Mayfield. They did absolutely nothing realistically to replace Russell Wilson, except for acquiring Drew Locke in that trade. They seem fine, I guess, if Locke doesn't work out going with Geno Smith. I mean, that's the weakness, right, Carlin? If I'm having to whittle it down to just one, and there are numerous ones on this Seahawks team, but for me, it's what it's going to look like without Russell Wilson under center. Yeah, I I honestly could could just say everything else (laughs) because you can we the quarterback is the easy one to look at too but I mean defensively is there anything to really feel good about Um, Jamal Adams he got his money but he's in a situation now where they're not going to win I'm sure he'll try to force his way out at at some point I Bobby Wagner's gone Uh, I don't look at much on their defense right now and feel like anything is remotely resembling a strength that is everything uh, resembling weaknesses Uh, and offensive line god you know just it's not there i don't look at anything they have right now outside of that receiving core and think it's anything but a weakness so where do the opportunities lie amber for the seattle seahawks to grow or improve I mean, the opportunity lies where my weakness lies. Uh, Geno Smith and Drew Locke, they can prove us all wrong. I I think probably Drew Locke, because I think he'll probably be the starter week one for the Seahawks. He can prove us all wrong, right, Carlin? He can can try to win that position for good. Uh, Listen, that's where the biggest opportunity is, is for Drew Locke. For his Turn around his entire career. Yeah, for his chance to prove that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, You know, are there many people that have had uh, better situations than Geno Smith? You know, he's going to make, I think he makes something like $7 million this coming year to be a backup quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. I I mean, mean, backup quarterback is one of the most underrated positions. It really is. It's pretty cushy. Everybody everybody loves a backup, too, because they want you out there, you know? Yeah. Especially if the starter sucks. He's going to make something like $5 million this year. And that will be half of what his career earnings have been. And he can have a nice career as a backup here for the next few years. I absolutely see that. So it's an opportunity for Geno Smith to continue to collect some nice checks. And it's an opportunity for Drew Locke to actually show that he can play the position. Uh, What are the threats that impede the progress? Yeah. Of the Seattle Seahawks. The the opportunity is for Drew Locke and Geno Smith. The problem is they're probably not going to be able to capitalize on that opportunity because of the O-line. Uh, and I think that's the threat. The projected O-line doesn't have a single starter who finished 
in the top 50 of most all grades when you're looking at the O-line grades around the National Football League. It is an abysmal line, potentially, trying to protect Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Doesn't seem like it's going to go well. No. I would say that the the major threat is anybody who is facing up against them because as I look at their schedule, the Seahawks could easily win two games this year. Easily. I I count four truly winnable games on their schedule. Week three and four, Atlanta and at Detroit. And then I've got them potentially winning against Carolina in week 14. And then the Jets in week 17, if things went poorly for the Jets this year. But I think we all look at the Jets and think that they should be improved. So other than that, I can't point to a game on their schedule that they should win. Maybe the Giants. I missed that one. I put the Giants in front of the Jets in week eight. Maybe. At home. If the 12th man actually shows up. I think they're just hoping that 12 people actually show up for the Seahawks this season. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Up next, we go inside the Seahawks and get the real perspective. Is Drew a lock to be the Seahawks' week one starter? I really just said it because it's on the screen, and it's just the worst tease ever. And that's what Shannon Penn put on the screen. Is Drew a lock to be the Seahawks' week one starting quarterback? I hate myself (laughs) for having said it. And I will try to regroup. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Chris Carlin at Amber W Sports. Amber Wilson in for Chris Canty today on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And one of the tweets that I received in the last few minutes uh, in relation to our Deshaun Watson discussion about whether or not he is actually an elite quarterback, considering we have not seen him play in well over a year at this point, nearly two years. And it comes from the views on Twitter. The views. Chris Carlin is wrong about Deshaun Watson, opinionated at best about Michael Vick. I'm sure he meant to refer to Tim Tebow. I don't even know What's what the that Tim means. Tim Tebow reference. There? I don't is it know. Because, is it because Tim Tebow is a quarterback who took time off from football and then tried out again with Jacksonville many years later? Although he tried out a receiver for Jacksonville a million years later. Yeah, he's I don't know playing, what the Tim Tebow reference tight end is. in camp, I think, you know? Right. That's so, right, tight end. I, yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't get the Tim Tebow portion of the conversation. I mean, the Deshaun Watson comparison was that we're trying to find a quarterback that is an excellent quarterback that ends up just taking years off football and then coming back. And it's very difficult to think of 
who that comparison would be other than Michael Vick. And we know why Michael Vick, of course, took that time. He was older, though, so it's still hard to know because mm-hmm. Deshaun is so young, you know, at 26 years old. It's hard to know how he's going to bounce back. You would think, Carlin, that if he takes the entire, if he gets suspended, because obviously he took off the entire season last season, if he gets suspended and it actually does come down for an entire season, I mean, what is it going to look like at the very beginning of the next season? Like, it's got to look at least rusty, right? Even if you're an excellent quarterback. Are you going to come back and have a training camp and a couple of preseason games and all of a sudden you look amazing? I don't know about that. It's hard to believe. Now, again, like with Deshaun Watts, like Michael Vick, he didn't come back and look the same, but he also spent years in prison. Whereas with Deshaun Watson, presumably you could be spending the entire time of your suspension training with people. I mean, it's not going to be the same as, you know, being in a game environment, but you're training, I guess. No, no. And Amber, to be fair, Watson had a couple of good years and then had one really big year on a bad team. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like when you put him with the Cleveland Browns? If he's actually on the field, I'm not saying he's not good, but I don't know that he's a top 10 quarterback right now. I really don't. I, I think it's more than fair to suggest that when you take that much time off, you have to get knocked down a few pegs at the very least, don't you? I, I don't see how he could not be at that point. And, if he's back on the field and playing like he did two years ago, the Browns will be a real force to be reckoned with, but it's asking a lot. This is ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days, the Seattle Seahawks. It was time. It was time for the Seahawks to go their own way and for Russell Wilson to do the same thing. What Seattle's getting in return, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, double ones, double twos. This is the foundation that the Seahawks will use going forward. The schedule's tough. Nobody travels more miles this year than Seattle. It's already tough to travel out of Seattle. They have to go, I think, to Germany to play Tampa Bay this season. It ain't pretty. It ain't pretty what is facing the Seattle Seahawks this year. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson in for Chris Canty with me, Chris Carlin. Right now we go to the CC call-in line for more on the Seahawks, the second of our two-a-day teams today. And we welcome in Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic. He is a Seahawks reporter. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mike Dugar, D-U-G-A-R. Mike, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, let's just start here. Are you getting double pay to watch this football team this year? I did get a raise. Um, Excellent. Not, not, not because of the quarterback situation, just because I, I would like to think that I did some good work uh, under my current contract. So, yes. I did get a raise, but it is not tied to watching Geno Smith and Drew Locke duke it out uh, this summer. But that is a nice bonus uh, because I don't imagine uh, that the quarterback player that I see this year will come close to what I was used to witnessing the last uh, five years uh, in Seattle. Yeah, presumably not, Michael. So maybe that raise will make things a little bit easier. Who is, though, going to be starting week one for the Seattle Seahawks? Is it going to be Drew Locke or is it going to be Geno Smith? Yeah, I'm not really inclined to believe that it'll be Drew Locke. I just think that Josh Allen has kind of fooled um, a lot of people, and Ryan Tannehill has contributed to this as well, into thinking that quarterbacks become new guys, um, whether in a new situation or just in a year-to-year like jump. 
what Josh Allen did from his first two years is like third and fourth years. It's just otherworldly. That's, that's, that's the unicorn. That's the outlier. And even Orion Tannehill, like you look at his numbers outside of the 2019 season in Tennessee, it looked pretty similar to what he was doing in Miami by and large. Like, so I, I use all that to say that Seattle is betting on Drew Locke to just become a totally different guy. Like completions, like uh, just deep ball accuracy, cutting down interceptions, fixing his footwork, uh, decision-making. They just want him to morph into a new dude. And that just, generally speaking, does not happen in today's game, you know, of the seven-on-seven quarterback era, Nike elite camps in high school and stuff like that. The kids come in as far more finished products than like a guy didn't like the 90s or something like that. So I'm really confident in actually Geno just kind of looking like the guy he was for the three games he started uh, for Russ last year. He's more experienced. He knows the receivers, knows the O-line, knows the O-C, knows Pete. Like, I think all those advantages will just uh, give him the leg up over, you know, over excuse me, over Drew, uh, Drew Locke uh, this summer. Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic. He covers the Seattle Seahawks, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin and Amber Wilson. Uh, where do we stand right now as far as DK Metcalf and a long-term contract? Yeah, this situation reminds me a little bit of the Frank Clark situation entering the 2018 season. Frank had been really good for the defensive line those two years, and they just they didn't get an extension done uh, for whatever reason. Entering that season, kind of seeing how Frank uh, would handle things that year, particularly as a number one guy because they had traded Michael Bennett and lost Cliff Abel to a, a neck injury. So it was kind of Frank's show up front, and they I could see them like, hey, let's wait and see what he does before we just hand him $100 million, right? Well, then Frank had like 13 and a half stacks. And I was like, oh, well, now we can't even afford this guy because he just balled out uh, on, on his last year of his deal. They ended up tagging him and then trading him to the Chiefs where then Frank got $100 million and made the next three Pro Bowls and won a Super Bowl with Kansas City. I see this kind of going in a similar path where if they can't agree to a number, which is probably going to have to be somewhere around $24 million in new money per year over the next three years, if they can't agree to that deal um, by, I don't know, the week one of the season, then I could easily see DK balling out you know, having 10 touchdowns or whatever, 11, 1,200 yards or whatever on a 7-10 and 10 team uh, being way too expensive for this team come March and then having to, you know, be tagged and play that game. So I still think something will get done because um, I think they love DK a little bit more uh, than they loved Frank back then and Frank had a little bit more off-the-field baggage at the time, which hasn't changed <laughs> in Kansas City, obviously. Um, so I think it'll get done around the start of training camp. But if it doesn't, I'd be really worried about seeing DK as a Seahawk in 2023 and beyond. Got 15 seconds. Best case scenario for the Seahawks this year. Uh, defense is just way, way, way better with Jamal Adams and Quadre Diggs healthy for an entire season. Pass rush has improved in the switch to the 3-4. And Charles Cross and Abe Lucas are the best offensive tackle rookie pairing ever. Um, mm-hmm. and they can run the ball down everyone's throat and go like 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic covering the Seahawks. We appreciate the insight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I, it's going to be very, very difficult to see a lot of positivity out of Seattle this year, given the quarterback situation, given everything around the Seahawks, but they got nowhere to go but up. I guess that's the only way you can look at it. We'll ask me to Kimes next. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.